Welcome to the Caris Christian Center podcast. Faith made simple. I was actually um, preaching with my dad on our television program, Grace for Today, and we were sharing on faith. And I got really excited and realized I should probably teach on faith because I think a lot of faith people like to overcomplicate faith. You know, and uh, my dad was sharing on his four keys to faith, and I'm going to sh- kind of share on these, kind of my own spin on them. But his four simple keys to faith are making a choice, decisiveness, Uh, meditating is the second one, speaking is the third one, and the fourth one is doing. And I think especially, I'm really excited to get to that fourth lesson on acting upon faith. I think a lot of faith people like to overcomplicate it. You know, but but, um, acting acting upon faith is very simple. It's just just trusting God and taking a step towards Jesus. You know, some people think, man, if I'm going to, if I believe this, I got to, I got to do something really extraordinary. I got to, you know, fly to Jerusalem and crawl around, you know, the, on my hands and knees to express my faith. But sometimes it's just a simple thing like, hey, go dip in the Jordan seven times. Sometimes it's as simple as, hey, I'm just going to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. How simple is that? If I can just touch his hem. What, what a simple thing to believe and to act upon. Some people like to overcome. You know, the acting part of faith is very simple. It's just taking a step towards Jesus. And that's kind of my definition of faith. That's kind of my um, theme for this series on Faith Made Simple is that faith isn't complicated. It's just taking a step toward Jesus. Amen. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. So um, just to operate in faith, you just take a simple step toward Jesus. So um, let's start with Hebrews 11 verse 6. If you're taking notes, have your Bibles. We're going to go to Hebrews 11 verse 6. Okay. Uh, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen. So there are two aspects of faith. First, it's knowing that he is and also knowing that he is a rewarder. Anyways, Dad, are you all right? Okay. It's a little distracting for the minister. All right. You know, teachers have to tell their students to, you know, it's time to, it's it's the, what is it, the silent coyote. This is is what my, you know, first grade teacher did. Mouths closed, ears open. Faith is a necessity in pleasing God, the two aspects, knowing that he is and also knowing that he is a reward. We have to know that God is, a lot of people um, fight against God, God's existence. You know, all this, um, there's no male, there's no female kind of stuff out there. Someone made a movie, a documentary called, you know, What is a Woman? Even one of our newly appointed Supreme Court justices was asked, what is a woman? I don't know. I'm not a, you know, biologist. Well, when you deny male and female, you're denying that there's a creator because he created them male and female. It's very plain that there is male, there is female, there are men, there are women. Um, and and re- it's very evident. The Bible says in Romans 1 verse 20, for since the creation of the world, 
We, we are living in God's creation. Since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his external power and God, so that they are without excuse. It's really plain to see that there is order, that God created things with a plan. He created mankind, male and female. It's very evident. He, he's a God of order. He's a God of beauty. He's a God that cares for, for, for people. It's very evident and um, you really have to be crazy to kick against the pricks, knowing that there is a God. The Bible says that a fool has said in his, in his heart, there is no God. But we know that there is a God. Whenever you see order, whenever you see beauty, you know that there is an author behind it. Amen? You know, all, I know, I know all that beautiful music that we just heard right then. I know that people were actually playing it. It wasn't just some cosmic accident that just all this beautiful sound happened. I wish it happened that way. I wish we didn't have to practice and work hard and you know, have a good sound system in place. I just wish it just, just, there were just explosions of sound that just randomly happened, big bangs of sound that just make beautiful sounds for 30 minutes. But that's not how it works. Whenever there is beauty, whenever there is order, there is something behind it making it happen. Does that make sense? And it takes a fool to say there is no God. So faith, you have to know that he is and also know that he is a rewarder. God is a rewarder. God does not take. He does not steal. He's not out to punish people. He wants to reward people. That is God's heart to reward people. Amen? His thoughts are good towards us. I love what the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Just last night, um, um, I was hanging out with Fisher. Um, Heather was getting Ada ready for bed, and um, I told Fisher, I, I um, went to the grocery store, and I wanted to surprise him. I bought his favorite kind of ice cream. He loves cotton candy ice cream. So I told him, Fisher, you know, I have cotton candy ice cream for you. And he's like, well, prove it. <laughs> I think this is somehow like how some people kind of talk to God, well, you know, Hey, child of mine, I have something great for you. I want you to be healed. Well, prove it. And I said, well, go, go out to the freezer in the garage, open it up, and then you will find cotton candy ice cream. So he goes down there, he opens it up, and surely, you know, there it is, cotton candy ice cream. And he brings it in. He's like, well, scoop it out for me. <laughs> and uh, he sat on the counter right by this red spatula that is used um, to spank him with. I said, Fish, you better watch your attitude. You know, right before you has been set, you know, blessing and cursing, <laughs> life and death. I want to give you cotton candy ice cream, but you can choose the other thing if you want, but choose life. Choose the cotton candy ice cream that both you and your descendants may live. So the choice is yours. I said, I, I want to reward you. I clearly want to reward you. That's why I spent the time and the money and the effort to get you your favorite kind of ice cream. But you, you are kicking against the pricks here. <laughs> and I will honor your choices. But I, I, at my heart as a father, I am a rewarder. That's what I want to do. And that's why I prepared this great reward for him. Amen. God has prepared great rewards for us. That is, that is his heart for us, for his children. Amen. He wants to give us good things. He knows the thoughts he thinks towards us, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Amen. So um, tonight I'll be talking about um, 
the decisiveness of faith. This is something that's actually been on my heart um, lately is just being um, decisive with your faith. You know, great people of faith are decisive. They know how to make a choice and stick with it. Um, Jesse Duplantis was here. He comes every year, but once he said this um, great statement, and it stuck with my father, it stuck with me, but Jesse Duplantis has said this. This is a great quote to write down. He said, most of the time in the realm of faith, I made a decision and God backed it. People of faith usually aren't the people that are just waiting for God to write, you know, in the sky with, you know, the clouds, exactly what they're supposed to do all the time. You know, and I was just kind of thinking about um, just big faith steps that I've made in my life, big decisions, big choices that I've made um, where I've stepped out in faith. And I, I believe that God would often nudge me in a certain direction, but he wouldn't force me to go in that direction. He would, he would give me the choice. And he even spoke to me one time, actually six years ago when I was um, praying about um, moving here and becoming the associate pastor here at, at this church. I spent three months um, praying about it. At the time, I was about ready to wrap up my um, doctorate studying classical music. I, I was at a very high level in classical music with my education, with my um, ability. And, um, you know, if, if you added up all the years of study and the value, the sticker price of my, I, I didn't pay full sticker price. I'm, I'm a part Jewish, also part Purdue, very much a Purdue. Uh, but if I paid, you know, full tuition for all that education, I'd have half a million dollars worth of education in that one thing. And, and I, I felt that God was nudging me to step into ministry full time and just go all in for that. And for me, it's stepping out of my comfort zone because I didn't have any formal training in that. I was very, very much formally trained in one area at a very high level. But so to step into another area where I didn't have formal training, I had a lot of uh, back alley street smarts just growing up as a PK. You learn th some things they don't learn in Bible school growing up as Pastor Lawson's son. So I had, I had uh, some street smarts concerning ministry, uh, but no formal um, training, um, but I, I felt God tell me this. He, he told me, you know, Aaron, I, I want you to step into ministry, and he told me this. He said, if you become a pastor, you'll become one of the, the most, um, you'll become one of the greatest pastors in America if you become a pastor. And, um, and he, he said, but if you want to stay in music, I, I'll make you one of the greatest, you know, flutists in America as well. So he, he, he's giving me the choice, but he was telling me, you know, make, make it and you need to make the choice, and I'm going to back you up. And I think a lot of decisions are like that. Um, another example, uh, a few years ago, I was watching a documentary about Billy Graham after he had passed away, and um, um, he had chosen to, to follow God. He wanted to become a minister. He went to Wheaton, you know, a Christian college. And while he was studying at, at this Christian college, he kind of had a, a crisis of faith. He, he, he wasn't really sure if the Bible was God's word or not. He had to make a choice. He, came, you know, he was at a crossroads. Am I going to believe that, that you know, the Bible is the infallible, perfect word of God? Or am I going to believe that you know, there's some error in it that you know, I can you know, interpret it however I may want to because there's a lot of error in it? And he said, I, I, 
by faith, he said this ex exact words, by faith I chose, I'm gonna believe that it's God's infallible word. And, and he said from that moment on, whenever I preached, whenever I ministered, I would just preach the word of God and preach it with authority because it is the, the, the perfect, inspired word of God. And he said when I preached the word of God, that's what changed people's lives. That's what brought people to Jesus because it is the word of God. So he said, I made that choice by faith. Great people of faith are decisive. Uh, the Bible even speaks about this in James. You know, James is one of the greatest books on faith. James 1 verse 8 says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now, I was thinking about this um, you know, I was reading, reading through um, 1 Kings, this is in 1 Kings 18, um, about Elijah. Um, when Elijah was alive, there, there was a great um, division in Israel. Some people wanted to serve the one true God, but some people wanted to serve Baal. Ahab, the king, his wife Jezebel, were leading people to serve Baal. And um, it says in 1 Kings 18, this is in verse 20, you can turn there if you like, 1 Kings 18, verse 20. I'll give you a couple seconds to turn there. I really love what he said here, and I think this is a prophetic word for today, just for where our nation is at today. There is clearly like two paths emerging that America as a nation is trying to go make a decision about. First Kings 18, verse 20 and 21 so it said, Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? It really bothered him that, that people could not make a decision. Some people said, well, I'll kind of worship the one true God, but I'll kind of worship Baal. Um, he said, how long will you falter between two opinions? Again, if you have two opinions, it, it's, it's faltering. You're unstable in all your ways. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. Make a decision. Who are you going to follow? The one true God or Baal? Make a decision. Who are you going to follow? But the people answered him not a word. They didn't want to make a decision. They didn't want to be decisive. They wanted to just coexist. <laughs> right now, even, even amongst Christians, I read a study that um, um, a, a great writer, a great Christian writer wrote about this study. His name is Eric Metaxas. But amongst evangelical Christians, self-identified evangelical Christians, 50% of them think there are multiple ways to heaven. The people answered him not a word. They didn't want to make a, decis a decisive decision and who they're going to follow. Verse 24, he said, you know, you call on the name of your gods, I'll call on the name of my Lord. So he told the prophets of Baal, you, you make your sacrifice, you call upon Baal, you call upon your gods. If he sends fire, he's the true God. I'll make my sacrifice, I'll pray to my God. If he sends fire, then, then he's real. But I like what he says. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. That is a word for today. God is going to answer by fire. He's going to back up his word with his power, with the fire, with the power of the Holy Ghost. 
There are, there, there are, there's a great group of Christians, a great um, number of Christians that, that don't want the fire of God. They don't want the power of God. They have a form of godliness, but, the, but they deny the power thereof. From such, turn away. That 50% who, who want to claim that there are multiple ways to heaven, they, they don't want to believe in the, in the power of God. They don't want to believe in the authority of the word of God. They don't want to wholeheartedly follow Jesus. But God, he, he answers by fire. He answers with power. And God is still, he's still in the fire business. Great people of faith are decisive. They aren't afraid to make a choice. You know, you read in Hebrews 11 about all these great people of faith. Abel, he chose. He chose to bring his best offering. You know, giving, giving is, is a great step of faith. Amen. You know, um, I, I, I love this church. I love everyone who's a part of this church. You know, my dad is a true pastor. He loves everyone. You know, recently, someone very close to my dad, someone who he really loves, just quit the church and kind of did, did so in, I believe, a not very honorable way. He was a big giver. But, you know, other people he wouldn't expect stepped up to give in a major way. There's, there's, a, there's a gentleman who, who is without a job right now who just gave $10,000 to this church. This all, this all just happened in the past couple days. There, there is a, a single mother here, a single mom, who, who's, who's, who, who just gave $7,000 to the church. God, God is the greatest giver. He hasn't left this church. People are stepping up to the plate. And, and God likes to use people who you wouldn't expect. You don't have to be some fancy pants, you know, famous person who's... And if you think because you just wear fancy pants and you can just boss people around because you got the fancy pants on... Who cares? There's other people who step up and take your place. God is not falling off the throne. This church is blessed. It's always going to be blessed. This church is increasing. It's always going to increase. And people get that. Abel chose to bring his best offering. I love that. His best offering. He gave his very best. Enoch, he chose to walk with God. Noah chose to build an ark. Abraham and Sarah chose to become pioneers and move to a new place. So what are the key decisions that we make in life? Faith makes a choice. Faith is decisive. I'm not talking about, you know, being indecisive about what, what to eat for dinner. If you're indecisive about, you know, where you're going to eat, that's fine. I'm speaking about spiritual things, all right? So if you go home, you know, and you're trying to figure out what to eat for a snack, and, you know, it takes you and your wife an hour to figure out, <laughs> you can still be a person of faith, okay? 
So in the natural, if you're indecisive, it's okay, but concerning important life decisions, faith-related decisions, you need to be decisive. You need, you need to not be afraid to make a choice. That's, that's a good word. I know some people here, it takes you, you know, it's by, by the time you finally figure out what you're gonna eat, So, you know, while, while Heather was gone this past weekend, um, we survived. I, I cannot cook. I, I burned my arm just cooking a pizza from Walmart in the oven. That's the extent of my cooking, and I, I was harmed in the process. We ate some leftovers, ate the pizza, I burned my arm. So... Um, and it's kind of hard to wrangle all the kids and get them in the car to go pick up food. Um, but I thought I'd attempt to do so. And uh, Fisher and I and Ada, between the three of us, it's, it's hard to make a decision where we're going to eat. <laughs> and I thought, well, we need to do a place that has a drive-through because I don't want to have to, like, for me, yeah, to, like, do the stroller. I don't even know how the stroller works. When we went to Walmart to buy the pizza, it took me like 10 minutes to get the thing open, and then once we got back to the car, it took another 10 minutes to fold it back up and said, hey, this time we're, we're not gonna go in, we're just gonna go through a drive-through. This is my decision. <laughs> so we think, what, what, what has a drive-through, and, and uh, you know, I'm a producer, what, what's, what's where we can get a good deal and kind of split this meal amongst the three of us? So I thought, let's go to Chipotle. I used to always eat at Chipotle. And uh, Heather doesn't like Chipotle, not a whole lot. She likes it better now. I've worn off, but that used to be my favorite place to go to. So I'm like, we're going to go to the new Chipotle here by church. They have a drive-thru. We're going to do it. So we, we, we come. And as we're getting here, like Ada, Ada's like screaming in the car. My dad's calling me. I don't know what, like, so I'm like discombobulated. And I accidentally get in the In-N-Out um, drive-thru <laughs> lane, which is like crazy long. Once you get in that thing, you're like trapped. It's like purgatory. <laughs> purgatory does exist. It's the in and out drive through line. And, and as I realized this, I thought, oh God, I'm, I'm like trapped in this line I'm gonna be stuck in for an hour. And like the curb is on both, you can't just like, I thought, I'll drive out of this thing. I'll drive over their bushes or their new landscaping. And, <laughs> I'm getting out of purgatory, you know. I'm not going to stay stuck there. And uh, I just like hung, I was like, Dad, I got to go. This is a bad thing. It's already, we got this baby that's crying, and I'm going to be trapped in this drive through line. And, and uh, fortunately, like, the, the Lord was with me. He, you know, shed his grace upon me, and no one was behind me. So I, I like, backed up, you know, like a quarter mile out of there, <laughs> and no one was behind me. It was a miracle. And got out of that, that line before uh, we were trapped there for an hour. Like, thank you, Jesus. And uh, we get into the Chipotle line, and there's like only four cars. I'm like, okay, thank you. There's only four cars. And we sit there for five minutes, and it does not move at all. And Ada's still screaming. I'm like, all right, I can't, can't take this. So we go park the car. We go into Chipotle. I, I carry her in there. And the, there's no high chair. And... Um, and there's like a long line, you know, and I know she's not gonna stand in line, you know, for 30 minutes to get our food or whatever. I don't, I don't know why it takes that long, like the food's already made. 
But uh, so I just tell like Fisher, just get in the car, like we're going home, peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> I'm being decisive. <laughs> we're not doing this, not today. Uh, anyways, so I got in the car and just, just went home. A few tears were shed because he's looking forward to Chipotle and then in and out and then and then Chipotle again and and um, kids don't like it when you're indecisive about things. But I wasn't being indecisive; just circumstances were being indecisive for me. But we're all alive and Mama's back. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> so key decisions that we make in life: Who are you going to serve? Key decision number one, who are you going to serve? You've got to serve somebody. Everyone serves somebody. Everyone serves something. This is what I realized when, when I went to school for many, many years. And I was definitely in the minority as a straight, white, Republican man. There's not a lot of those left in the field of music in America today. You got, everyone serves somebody. It might be yourself. It might be the world. It might be some type of false idol. You're much better off serve, serving Jesus. You're always 100% of the time better off trusting and following Jesus than not. If you trust in yourself, you're going to fail yourself. If you trust in the world, the world is going to fail you. If you trust in false idols, they will fail. They might be taken away. If you trust in Jesus, he will never fail you. You're always better off taking a step toward Jesus than a step away from Jesus. Just keep stepping closer and closer to you. You've got to serve somebody. I love what, what um, Joshua says. This is at the end of Joshua. This is chapter 24, Joshua 24, verse 14 and 15. You could turn there if you'd like, Joshua 24, verse 14 and 15. Joshua was a great man of faith. He was one of the two adults that got to make it from Egypt and go clear to the promised land, and he was a mighty um, man of valor, a mighty commander-in-chief. Joshua was just full of a lot of great victory. He was a person of victory. He was a, a great, decisive person. That's what we see in his last um, sermon to the people of Israel, he was very decisive, and he wanted them to be decisive with their faith. Who are you going to serve? Israel. Joshua 24, verse 14 and 15. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord... Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. It's your choice. He's saying, I'm not forcing you to serve the one true God. It's your choice. Choose for yourselves this day who you're going to serve. Are you going to serve the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell? But I love, I love what he says here. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Very decisive statement. You know, if you don't make a firm decision to follow Jesus, you will lose by default. 
Jesus, Jesus made it very plain in who he was. He said in John 14, verse 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's very plain. The Bible says very plainly in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3, therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You either say that Jesus is Lord. If you say that he's not Lord, then you, you are basically cursing Jesus. Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you deny that, then you are saying that he is a liar or that he's a lunatic. You're basically cursing what he said about himself. So either Jesus is Lord or he's not. Amen? So make a, make a decision. Who are you going to serve? Second decision, what are you going to believe? I'm going to believe the Bible. I've made a decision. I'm going to believe God's word 100% of the time, all the time, no matter what. When I preach, I'm going to preach the word of God 100% of the time, all the time, no matter what. People of faith cannot help but preach faith. You know, we went through, through some, some very fearful times in the world the past couple years. The message of this church, the message of the preachers here did not change. You cannot shut up a faith preacher. The more you try to shut them up, the worse it gets. It's going to backfire every time. The devil hasn't figured that out yet. Deuteronomy 30, let's go to Deuteronomy 30, starting in verse 11. Deuteronomy 30, verse 11. For this is the commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it too far off. I love that. He's saying it's very plain. It's not, you don't have to have a doctorate from some fancy seminary to understand the word of God. It's not that mysterious. It's very plain. You can't say, well, it is it not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Some people like that. God is so mysterious, we don't really know what his will is. God, God has made a lot of things very plain, very evident. You can't say, well, well who's going to go up to heaven and talk to God and figure this thing out? Like, if, what's, what's his will concerning healing? What's his will concerning blessing people? What's his will concerning Forgiveness, what's his will concerning righteousness? What's his, it's very plain. We don't have to, to take a, a space shuttle up to heaven and ask God to figure it out. Verse 13, nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. The word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. The word of God is not the problem. It's, it's the hearer's problem. You need to have ears to hear. God is speaking. Verse 15, see I have set before you today life 
and good, death and evil, and that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear, again, what, what's, what's the problem with hearing? If you do not hear, it's because your heart has turned away. Hell, the Bible talks about, about having ears to hear, about having, also having eyes to see. I was reading that, and God kind of spoke to me about, about our, our church and kind of our circle of believers. We have a lot of, we have great hearers. We have people who love good teaching. We have ears to hear, but sometimes we don't have eyes to see. Sometimes people's eyes are looking and very focused on things that don't really matter. Eyes to see. You need to see what God is doing. You need to be able to look at the big picture. You need to be, be able to have eyes to see what God is doing. Look at the big picture. When you're, so, when you're looking and focused on, on things that don't really matter, you're not, you're, you're not really, you don't really have eyes to see. Does that make sense? And, and, and having, like, God kind of spoke to me about this, but like, ha, like having ears to hear, that's like having a value for the word, a hunger for the word, a hunger for good teaching. And having eyes to see, that's like having a hunger for, for, for um, the, the spirit of God, how he might lead you, how he might guide you, how he might speak to you. Does that make sense? So we need to have a hunger both for the word of God and for the spirit of God. He needs to lead us both ways. He needs to lead us with his word and with his spirit. And sometimes people lose track of, of one or two of those things. But we, we need to, to be paying attention in both realms with our ears to hear and our eyes to see. Verse 17, if, you, if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish and you shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses together against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life. I love that. God is speaking right here th through Moses, just saying, I, I want you to have life, I want you to be blessed, I want you to, this is how it works. You, start, you listen to me, you hear from me, you look to me, you love me, you keep your heart towards me, and if you don't, it's not gonna work out well. And if, if you don't know what you should do, choose life. It's like, it's like in school when you somehow off of you know, eBay or Amazon, you bought the, the teacher's edition of your book. So you have the answers in the back of it for all your homework. God gave you the answer for how to do life. And it's to choose life. It's to choose Jesus, to choose him, amen, to choose to do what he, he's called you to do. Verse 20, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. What are we going to believe? Are you going to believe the, the word of God, or are you going to believe something else? You know, you can, you can choose to believe the, the word of God. You can choose to believe that God wants us to be blessed through Jesus, I love that, that here in Deuteronomy 30, he just kind of lays it out simply like, hey, choose life, 
choose the word, choose my commandments. If you don't, it's gonna go the wrong way. And just a couple of chapters before in, in Deuteronomy 28, he, he laid it out very plainly what the blessing meant and what the curse meant. And for some reason, a lot of these believers today, probably these same so-called evangelicals who believe that there are multiple ways to heaven, they, they like to you know, have some loose interpretations of scripture and their theology and, and well, the curses are really a blessing, and 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 uh, it's kind of like how some people like to interpret the Constitution. There is no amendment in the Constitution saying that women have a right to abortion, because it's idiotic to to make legalize bad things. Abortion is a bad thing. Ending a life is a bad thing. And if you, if you want it to be in the Constitution, make an amendment that say this is the amendment, whatever, you know, but it's not gonna happen because there's too many godly people here in America who would not vote for such an evil amendment. I love that we have Supreme Court justices that can read. Well, I, I can read. I can read what the blessing is and what the curse is. The blessing, it, it, it includes life, it includes freedom, it includes health, it includes prosperity, it includes influence, it includes destiny, it includes victory, peace, joy, and the curse. It includes death, defeat, sickness, Poverty, these things are a curse. Jesus came that we might be blessed. He took the curse upon himself. So if you say that anything listed in the curses that God is doing it to you, you're, you're, you're spitting on the blood of Jesus. Theologically, that is what you are doing. His blood, his blood was shed to take the curse for you to take sickness upon himself, to take sin upon himself, to take defeat upon himself, to take death upon himself. If you're saying that God is the one that's doing this, your theology is whack. I don't know how people think this way. There's just a lot of screwed up thinking in the world today. Amen. We we have ears to hear and eyes to see. Amen. And hearts to understand. What are we going to believe? Believe the word of God and follow after it. Third question we have to answer. Whose plan are we going to follow? Whose plan are we going to follow? It's good to make plans. It's good to have goals. I like what Proverbs 16, verse 9 says, though. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. It's good to make plans, but when God presents his plan to you, choose his plan. His plan is always better than your own. His plan is always different than your own, too. Because he knows you better than you know yourself. He's the one who made you. He's the one who formed you. The Bible says that he formed you in your mother's womb. He's the one that forms babies in the womb.
Ephesians 3.20 says that now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. His plans are better than your own because he, he, he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think, above all that you even plan. He wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all of that. You know, at one point in my life, I think I wrote down in a journal who I planned to marry. Heather laughed. Because I didn't write down, you know, a widow, single mom. I didn't write down that she could cook well. I'm glad, God, God knew what I needed. He knew I, I'd probably kill myself if I was a bachelor, <laughs> unless you're trying to cook. But when God, when God presents his plan, just scrap whatever you planned before. Just throw it in the trash and burn it. <laughs> because it's not nearly as good as what he has for you. And I just think, what if all the plans that I had worked out, you know, the things that I really wanted to make happen and that I thought were, you know, and I was just thinking about this, you know, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. You know, that, that word rich, it includes financial riches, but it also includes riches in other areas of life. You know, rich in your, you know, fulfillment in life, rich in your career, rich, you know, relationally. And I thought, you know, if, if some things had worked out how I had planned them, I might feel rich because I got what I wanted, but there would be some sorrow attached to it. Now, I can see if I, if I got some of the jobs that I really wanted that I thought, that's the rich that I want, that's the treasure that I want, I'd probably be fired because I can't be on stage because I have cooties, you know, I'm... And that whole sector where I was very much a minority in my conservative Christian way of thinking, they, they were eager to just, just make people starve if you didn't lock, go a lock and step with them. We're so inclusive. We're, you know, no, you're not. You are not inclusive. You, that, that sector of society is the, the biggest bunch of bigots, true bigots. Man, just keep loving people. Keep looking towards Jesus. I, I, there would be so much sorrow attached to, to some of those things. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. You know, Moses, I'm going to talk about Moses just for a couple minutes really quick. I'll end in just a few minutes. But Moses, he had some plans. He thought this is what true riches to me are. You know, he was a prince in Egypt. Pharaoh's daughter, daughter took him in. But he decided to follow God's plan rather than his own plan. Amen? Let's read about that in Hebrews 11 really quicker. Hebrews 11 verse 23. Hebrews 11, verse 23, says, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, 
Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Again, sin, sin the pleasures that come from it, they're always passing. I love this, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. I love that last song that we sang tonight, how beautiful. You are my reward. Moses has said that he looked to the reward. He looked to Christ. How cool is that? That, that even in the Old Testament, that Moses looked towards the Redeemer, the promised Messiah, that he looked to Christ. And he got to be one of the two people, talk about a VIP seat on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was looking forward to that moment where he would see Christ manifested in his full glory. He got to be one of two ticket holders for that great event. Well, I guess there were a couple disciples who didn't quite realize what was going on, but Moses and Elijah knew what was happening. They looked to the reward. Verse 27, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as, as seeing him who is invisible. I love this. By faith he forsook Egypt. Faith, it's simple. It's taking a step toward Jesus. But you're going to realize when you're stepping towards Jesus, you're going to be stepping away from a few other things. You're going to be stepping away. He stepped away. He forsook Egypt. Verse 28, by faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he would destroy, he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. You know, he made some choices. He made a choice to, to follow God, to refuse to be called, to refuse to be identified as, as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. He, he refused Pharaoh's plan. He refused Egypt's plan. He refused their gods. And he made a choice to be with the one true God and with his people. Amen. Faith takes a step towards Jesus. So my conclusion is this. Faith is decisive. Choose to serve Jesus, choose to believe the Bible, and choose to follow God's plan. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Caris Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.charischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.